Hi friends, and welcome to Do The Damn Thing. I'm your host, Lauren LaRue. I'm an entrepreneur, a lifestyle coach, and a content creator for my brand, LaRue. And if you are here today, it's because you're ready to elevate your lifestyle, live more intentionally, and achieve your dreams. And you found just the right place to do so. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Do The Damn Thing podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here with me today. This is the 20th episode, the final episode of season one, and our first ever guest episode. I am here talking to you with the one I talk about so often on my podcast, my dear friend, my mentor, an inspiration to me, and manifesting expert, Haley Hoffman-Smith. Today, I've got Haley on the show to talk to you and share her wisdom and extend her amazing knowledge on manifesting your pipe dream to life. So before we dive into anything, I would like Haley to introduce herself. Hi, guys. Hi, Lauren. I can't believe this is your 20th episode. That's crazy. Woo! And I'm honored to be the first guest. Yes, it's amazing. Well, I only saw it fitting given that you were the one who pushed me to do it. And I just can't believe how fast time has flown. Like, it just, it it honestly feels like I did this yesterday. And now here we are, 20 episodes, which is what? That's four months. That's four months in. Crazy. I know. It is. I'm pretty mind blown about that. Time flies by. Yeah. I know. It does. Um, yeah, let's see. How do, how does one introduce themselves? Well, I'm Haley. I call myself the friend who helps you bring your pipe dreams to life through manifestation and motivation. And I'm a subconscious breakthrough coach. So I love doing EFT and being very investigative, working with my clients, determining their blockages to what they're hoping to manifest and eliminating those blockages. So I'm really interested in the neuroscience aspect of manifestation and, and how that comes into play and how our subconscious mind is like kind of the the headquarters yeah (laughs) everything that we're manifesting uh and how how we can utilize that i love creating videos on tiktok instagram reels and youtube my long-term goal is to be a talk show host so i love to incorporate that into my career now through those platforms and i also have a podcast of my own called big conversations Yay. Yes. And that is actually how I discovered Haley. I don't remember where I came across your podcast. It was it was so, so long ago. But I started following it when I first got into podcasts, which was well over a year ago. And then I listened to one episode. I believe it was one of your very first podcasts. Whoa. I think it was the one where you talked about like starting a speaking tour and doing your TED. Wow, that was literally the first one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And then um, I was like, oh my God, this woman is amazing. I have to follow her on everything. And then I found you on Instagram. And then I remember binging your podcasts. And I was just like, this woman is wonderful. <laughs> she oh, has all the wisdom. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. That's crazy too. Like, especially for context for listeners, that first episode of my podcast came out January 2020. That yeah. was so long ago. It, it is. <laughs> it was and almost you've two grown years ago. So much. You've changed yeah. so much in that last. I really have. Almost two years now. Well, you know too. Like when you do EFT, emotional freedom technique, like you get on the fast track of changes and growth. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like a completely different person, and you're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, wow. Yeah. And then you, you know, everyone says that time flies so fast and it does. Like, I can't believe October 1st is at the end of this week and it's, it's happening so fast. But I look back at when I went, like I said, I just started this podcast four months ago, but just in those four months, I cannot believe how much I've changed, how much my life has changed, how much growing and healing I've done in just that four months, let alone last two years. It's incredible. Yeah, I think too, when you have a podcast and a place where you can come reflect every single week where you're challenged to choose a topic, to like help others, to serve them, it really does provide the space for you to reflect upon the things that you've been learning and really integrate them. Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, people you know, they have conversations with, with friends, they're like, oh, here's something I've been thinking about, but actually like having a podcast to share that on, or it's just you and the microphone usually, it's like very... It's such an interesting like stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. and trying to hold that conversation all on your own the entire time. It's, it's a really interesting process. I was very nervous going into it, but seeing how it's unfolded, it's been very, it's been very cathartic and very therapeutic. 
Yeah, for me too. It's always like you sit down, you don't really know what's going to come out. <laughs> yeah. So you have like some bullet points, but then you just let it flow and that's when the magic happens. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to dive right into manifesting. I want to do like a manifesting 101 to dive in. So for cool. people that don't really know, like they know what manifesting is, but the kind of where to start, how to really, I think the always big question is how to really hold the faith. How do you, how do you keep manifesting when the doubts set in and when your faith kind of wavers? So I'll say that the way that I'll set this up is by saying that the manifesting that you often hear about when you get into like a a hashtag manifestation (laughs) rabbit hole on TikTok or something has a lot of like, ooh, let me fill a notebook with pages of me saying over and over again, he will text me or some aspect of like, oh, fairy dust, let me think about this and it will happen. And there is like a little bit of truth to that, but only only because what you put your attention on expands. So if you're like hyper-focused on something, chances are you're going to, because that activates your reticular activating system, the part of your brain that's looking for patterns, it will say, oh, we got to look for any evidence related to this belief or, or what we want. So a, a cool way that that can happen, an example that I share a lot is like, if you've decided that you want to go after your dream of being a chef. And so you're just thinking constantly, oh my gosh, I want to be a chef. I need to find an opportunity to to become one that tells your reticular activating system what to look for. And because so much stimuli is coming at your brain at any given time and your brain can only process about 0.0001% of it, you need to give this attentional filter. So imagine then that you're at the cream and sugar counter at Starbucks and because you've been thinking chef, 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 restaurant, 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 Mm -hmm. you see like this ad pop out in front of you and it's like hiring new chef at like hot new restaurants. Whereas otherwise, if you hadn't been thinking about what you wanted, like say that instead you were like, oh, I'm just going to go to medical school because that's what my parents want me to do. I'm not Mm going to think about that thing I really want to manifest. You would not see the opportunities in front of you. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about manifesting, that really is just like picking and choosing from the available stimuli in front of you. Because the truth is there are so many opportunities, so many connections, so many magical things that can unfold based off of all the available possibilities in front of you. But oftentimes we're not choosing it because we're not thinking about it. Or another thing is we are thinking about it, but we have a lot of limiting beliefs and blockages in the way. So your subconscious is playing some tricks on you. It's doing it to keep you safe, but it's intentionally creating blind spots for you. So it's really hard to see something that's not in alignment with your beliefs. So an example of that, say you're trying to manifest your soulmate, but then you have all these beliefs from seeing your parents get divorced that love will never last and you just get hurt. And then, you know, they take all your money or whatever, because it's something that was modeled to you. Mm-hmm. Well, you're some, even though you're like, I want my soulmate, your subconscious is like, that is not safe. In fact, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get ruined because we have all this proof and evidence of it. So literally Prince Charming could be standing in front of you and you mm-hmm. would just not see it or you like would not be attracted to them. Um, and it's so fascinating. I even see that too with like your subconscious will block brainstorming sessions, like channeling, mm-hmm. you know, knowledge for something like people are like, I don't know how you come up with all the content you come up with. And I'm like, well, I've I've like eliminated the blocks around what it means to come up with this content. And just to give one more final example of this, I call it like camouflage energy, where there's a lot of people who are like starting out with their careers as entrepreneurs or on social media. And they're like, I don't get it. Like, why won't my videos take off when I'm posting on TikTok or nothing's taking off. And I went through that for a really long time. And it wasn't necessarily that like my content wasn't good back then. It was that my subconscious was so scared of what it would mean if I started to get a lot of views that it blocked me. And that it's literally an energetic thing, but it's like people did not see my content. It was very bizarre. And once I started to work through that and understand like, okay, what bad thing happens if people see me? Like, what am I worried that they're going to think? What am I worried they're going to do or say? Let me remove the emotional resonance of that, like how much that freaks me out suddenly it was like, okay, this feels good. It feels safe. And then little by little, the ceiling is raised. And so like at first, like a hundred thousand views was like my ceiling. And now I think I'm like at 2 million views is my ceiling, but I got to keep going and you just keep eliminating the blockages. But long story short, manifestation really is more so about like working with your subconscious mind and telling it like, Hey, it's like, this is safe and understanding why it's not showing up in your experience yet. Yeah, I think when I was first diving into all of this, I I was definitely in the camp of believing that manifesting was the the repetitiveness, asking for signs, very surface level stuff. 
that you had mentioned in the beginning and now working with you, um, joining Dreamaway, doing the work that I do, doing all of these things, I'm realizing that it's so much more about eliminating and working on that past programming, just rewiring all of that and working on all of those blocks. So what do you feel that there's a difference between blocks and past programming? What are the similarities? How do you feel that that hinders in manifesting and what are the ways to work on that? So I think that blocks and past programming are usually one and the same. So the most common blocks that people have are, first of all, based off something that's happened to them beforehand, like Mm -hmm. say that when you were younger, you got up in front of a whole, like your entire class and you got embarrassed. And so now it like really scares you to think of people's eyes on you. So it's hard to manifest like TikTok fame. Um, Or it could be something that was modeled to you. Like your dad said over and over again, you know, watch out, starting a business is really dangerous. Or you saw your uncle Pete start a business and then go bankrupt. And so you're like, that must be dangerous. Something else, which is really fascinating that I'm still diving into is that it can be like an ancestral thing, like generational. Um, A really good book along these lines is called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. And so sometimes the blocks can be something like if you trace back through your family's history, did you have like a grandparent or a great grandparent have a traumatic experience that's somehow playing out in your life because that affects your DNA, which is really crazy. Mm. And so yeah, that, that is really interesting. So that's why being investigative about it is really important. Um, a question you can ask yourself is like, okay, if I had to prove in the court of law that I am not worthy of this, or it's not safe to have this, what would be my evidence? And then you're like, oh, well, so-and-so said this, and then this happened that one time, and then you can understand. But for everything, it's a different block. Um, Or it can be like, if it's a huge issue for you, like I think for a lot of us, we have our own hero's journey with something in our lives. Like for me, to be candid, it's always been about worthiness. And so it shows up in multiple areas of my life. Like that came down to a lot. Like that was generational. That was based off past experiences. That was based off what was modeled to me. Like that was kind of the (laughs) great kahuna of blocks, but it's different. And, and once you're able to identify the block, that's when you can start doing tapping, et cetera, and start to remove it. Yeah. I've also been thinking a lot about, and I talk a lot about this on my podcast too. Have you ever worked with a client or several clients or seen this happen where I talk a lot about the importance of being so honest with yourself in this process? And if you're not being honest with yourself, if there are things that you don't want to admit or things that you haven't gotten to that place yet to admit, how does that hinder your ability to manifest and work on those blocks in that programming? Well, I'll say that it's the most self-aware people that manifest the easiest (laughs) because you are able to see that. Um, In general, like with my clients, I feel like there's just like a filter in general where if someone's going to invest and doing this work, they're willing to like call themselves out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like what I've mainly seen is like where from my perspective, it's very clear that there's a certain blockage and sometimes the client doesn't agree. I think that's only happened like twice. And then I have to like explain and be like, no, literally let me repeat back to you what your subconscious just said to me. I literally wrote down everything you said. This is a very obvious block, like where the NLP comes in. Um, But that's also why it's really important to work with someone else because a lot of times Mm -hmm. we have no idea what our subconscious said. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched back like, um, or even if you listen back to one of your podcast episodes, Lauren, like, I guess for listeners, like if you watch back a video that a friend took of you and you guys were like talking about something or something you've recorded in the past and you're like, I don't remember saying that. That's so weird. How often do I say that? It's your literally your subconscious. And we often don't know that. And even we got into conversations, like I'm sure there's things I've said or little languaging that I've used even over the course of this episode that I wasn't aware of, but it says a lot about what's going on in my subconscious. And so having conversations with people who have like a background in NLP, who are practitioners with EFT, who are like know how to look for any type of subconscious indication of something. Um, One major one is metaphors. So I'll talk with people and they'll say like, it just feels like I'm stuck in the mud or I was doing really well. And then I hit a wall. It feels like I'm about to go off the edge of a cliff. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's the subconscious speaking. Let's figure out what's going on here. Uh, but you you don't know that unless you're talking it out with someone, unless you're being incredibly self-reflective. And that's what I try to do with like the workshops in Dream Away, like trying to make it really accessible. So it doesn't have to be one-on-one, but I'm like leading you to your own epiphanies and breakthroughs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely where we've gotten in all of this. And I feel like that's what really brought me to a lot of 
interesting realizations working with you. And I feel like some of them didn't come until quite a bit after we had finished our coaching. I got to a point where things started to progress, things were picking up, the podcast started doing really well, and I was getting more views on things. And the blog started, like the traffic started picking up, and I had pins that are going viral and sending a ton of traffic to the blog. And all of a sudden, I was just certain fears that I didn't think I had were starting to come up. And I was just very interested in it. And then I reflected back mm. on our coaching and I realized that the things that I was trying to manifest were were starting to come in. Mm. And it was very interesting how I reacted to those things. Yeah. And what's interesting too about that is like, again, when we're first starting out with this type of work, a lot of it's like eliminating the blind spots and like telling your subconscious it's safe. But then even then it probably started to come in. And then so it hit a critical threshold where all of a sudden it didn't feel safe anymore. And so you got blocked. So that's why this life, this is lifelong work. Like, again, I've been doing EFT with a practitioner since June, 2019. And it just was like, oh, you know, first started working with her on the fact that I was literally making no money after I quit my job. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. I started making enough money to feel comfortable living in Colorado, but then I needed to (laughs) like, so the money ceiling kept going up and up and up. And then you hit a ceiling and you got to do more work on it. Like, I wish you could just get all this done in one session, but a lot of it's just like this, I almost see it as like this unraveling, like your, your brain is changing. It takes 63 days after an EFT session to reach apex. So I really see this type of work as an unraveling because you're starting to prune away the old neural pathways when you're doing tapping, but that happens over the course of those 63 days until you reach like what's called apex when your brain's been completely rewired. And you're also strengthening new neural pathways through like affirmations at night and your think up app and through what you tapped in. So it's like this slow change that happens. And then I always think at 63 days, like your entire reality starts to change. Like it's not just your mindset, but you're like, holy cow, you know, I was working on mm-hmm. feeling worthy of having clients. And now I have like 10 inbound clients. Like it's all happening right now. But even then, like as that reality started to shift, it's only to the level to which you have convinced your subconscious that it's safe. Yeah. So that's why it's so cool that you can tap on yourself, um, do it anytime, every single day if you want to, plug in those affirmations and just let it be this evolution process where you're growing and healing consistently and in like really exciting ways. Yeah, I think the patience process of it all is what's so important. Talking about patience, where have you seen yourself having to have the most patience when manifesting and where has that happened in your life? Well, oh gosh, patience. So I just had this whole podcast episode called the seasons of for the seasons of waiting, where yep. I was talking about how like patience kind of entails that you're waiting for something. And ideally, mm-hmm. you should never be waiting for anything because that's like being focused on the absence of it. So much easier said than done. Yeah, it's like absolutely. We've all waited for things. But it's just like that same phenomenon where, you know, you're waiting for that important email and you keep refreshing your email and it mm-hmm. just does not come in. I'll say that there's like a lot of like career milestones that I've had to be really patient for, like some that I am still waiting, except trying not to wait for, Mm -hmm. such as like my third book and the right time to strike on that. I mean, that has just been like this long, (laughs) like I like started trying to get to a place where I could get like a book deal for my third book. That's why I started on TikTok. So just to put that into context, but I'll say that like trusting divine timing, like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is going to happen when it's supposed to, like, maybe I'm supposed to experience something that will like make the book even better because I'll write about that. Or I haven't met the right people yet, or it needs to like launch when I have X amount of followers, because that's a certain amount of people who will need the book at that time in their lives. Like a lot of it is so unseen, but still perfect and still magical. And I think the key is loving your life right now, even though it might not have every little component that you want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means like bringing gratitude down to the granular things. So just trying to love your life every single day, it sounds cliche, but if you can find joy in the here and now and like really be happy with your life as it stands right now, without that thing that you're waiting for, then it creates that vibrational shift so that what you're waiting for which by the way, you're not waiting for it anymore. It comes in so easily and naturally almost to the place where you're like, Oh, I kind of forgot that I wanted this because I was so happy with my yeah. life where it said uh, yeah, a story and- that I, Oh, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say, I know that you've talked about this on your podcast before. And I know that this is a very like Abraham Hicks vibe. People often question that, that concept when you think, okay, but if I get too happy with my life, the thing that I want won't come in. And mm. I would love for you to expand on the idea that it's, 
actually the complete opposite that you put out such yeah. high vibrations that you're actually in fact attracting it into your life. Yeah, that's and that's exactly it. You described it really beautifully. But yeah, a lot of times people think like, well, if I'm, you know, trying to romanticize this relationship that I have with someone who I know isn't my soulmate and I'm kind of unhappy in this relationship, like it's a really blah relationship. What if that convinces me to stay and I never find my soulmate or whatever? And what Abraham Hicks says in the book The Vortex is that it's not really true because the more you're focusing on positive aspects in your life, the more your vibration raises so mm-hmm. that whatever doesn't match that vibration completely just falls out of your life. Or, you know, what if this person actually is your soulmate, but you've been in such a bad state of mind that you haven't been able to recognize that and the relationship could get better. So that's really helped me. And I'll also say like, I had my own experience with like literally forgetting about something that I really wanted and then it coming in um, with um, getting represented by a manager. So I'm in like an industry with like, you know, social media influencing slash like wanting to be a talk show host where like, I, you know, I need a manager and I had moved to New York city. I was starting to have, see some like substantial growth on TikTok, And I was connecting with all these creators who were talking about their managers. Like, like, Oh, I just signed the manager. You know, like I had a friend who was big on YouTube and she'd been with the manager forever. And I was like, how do you find these managers? And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to just manifest this. Like, this is my next thing. Um, but I eventually forgot about it. And I knew that I forgot about it because right before I got an email from my now management team, I had done this exercise that I call 111 wishes that I did mm-hmm. in honor of uh, November 11th. So 11, 11, where you write down 111 things you want, because then you go down into like, I want a Vitamix, <laughs> yeah. like little tiny things. And it creates space. And of that entire 111 wishes, I did not write down a manager, which is crazy. Cause it's like, that's kind of something you need for like yeah. my career dreams. Um, and yeah, I was contacted by my management team now to us entertainment. They represent like so many incredible, I say so many, it's like 12 of us, but really incredible creators who are aligned with me. And I would not, you know, if I had been out there trying to manifest it, Mm -hmm. I think I probably would have been like, you know, pitching myself to management teams who probably weren't meant for me. And when I really let it go and forgot about it, it came in so beautifully and it was just so meant to be. Um, so my point is like, I think a lot of times we resist something by like desperately wanting it. Um, and we can repel it as the result of that. But when we literally forget about it and waiting becomes an afterthought because we're so immersed in the here and now and what like we have control over, which is how often are you in the flow state day to day? How often are you doing your gratitude? How often are you aligning with your higher self through habits that get you there? Then it all just comes to you, mm-hmm. but not in a way of like, oh God, finally here it is. It's more like, oh wow, welcome. The party had already begun, but yes. I'm glad you joined. Yes. I love this idea, but I'd love I wanna actually ask you a question on the idea of the desperation aspect and the I need something right now because yeah. I was actually thinking about this the other day and I was curious to get your opinion on this. So there are things that people obviously look to manifest specifically money, I would say would be the biggest one, or maybe like a house or a new location to live, something like that. What if it's something that they're trying to manifest that they actually need? Like, how do you step away from that? I I need this, like, this is my next step. I need this to live, to move, like move on, but not be in that desperate space for it when it's something of that nature, like not necessarily, okay, I'd like a new car, but I don't have to have it. So I don't need it right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, what I'll say is that like, again, the subconscious is concerned with keeping you safe. Mm-hmm. So for like certain things, like if it's a matter of like putting food on the table, that's not going to be that hard to manifest per se, because it's like literally a matter of keeping you safe. Mm-hmm. Um, with always, it's like, what is the next best thing that I can do for this right now? Like that should just be a rule there. Like if it's really something you need, that's like, that's when it's time to go into action. Like, I think a lot of the manifesting stuff is more that I talk about is like more so about like up leveling, like getting yeah. the things that like you want, that would be nice to have. And then understanding where the subconscious might think that's not safe, but that's a good point that like, you shouldn't dismiss the action that you can take. And sometimes that means telling your subconscious that something is safe by doing what you need to do right then. Like Mm -hmm. I had a friend who was having a hard time paying the bills and she was like, I could get a job working at this restaurant, but like, I didn't get a college degree to do that. And I was like, girl, you got to do like what you got to do right now. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you just got to take it (laughs) because it's like the path that's presented in front of you. Like if this restaurant's offering you a job, 
there will be other opportunities down the line, but be grateful for the, for what's unfolding right now mm-hmm. and show up to that fully. And then things will continue to fall in line. But I'll also say like, if it is like a dire situation, like need like that, like that's not the time to be sitting there meditating, like, yeah. <laughs> writing in your gratitude journal. Like that's good to do on top of also like doing what needs to be done. But sometimes like that goes back to the Abraham Hicks thing too, that we were just discussing, like go do what needs to be done. And even though it might not be the job that you want or like the position you want to be in, find positive aspects about what you're leaping into. And from there, like your vibration will continue to raise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just embrace everything, like you said, that path that you're on at the moment and keep watching it, like you said, up level. Yeah, I'll also say that like basic human needs, like that's different than desperation for like someone to love you back. Yeah, for that job, Like very different energy. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue. I had an interesting question for you. I would love to know, can do you think you can manifest things that you weren't looking for or is that just something naturally coming into your life? Do you think you've manifested something into your life that you haven't been looking for? So this is actually where I see like for me, I don't think you manifest every little thing that happens. I think the the universe works as like a, a co-pilot with you and can bring in things for you where it's like, oh, wow, okay, we've achieved the next step. It's time for, to send in this person or like this experience. And it's all ultimately trying to get you somewhere, like as you have this higher timeline destiny unfolding. Um, I'll say that, let me see, like something that I'm manifesting. I mean, you know, sometimes I'm like focused mainly on one aspect of my business and then another aspect of my business starts to, you know, I get like an opportunity with a brand that I didn't expect or something, but it's all kind of for the common end goal, right? Which might be Mm -hmm. like hitting a certain amount of money in Q3 or getting, you know, more brands on my resume. I don't know. This is a stupid example, but I think like it all kind of ties in with the larger vision of what you're manifesting. And I'll also say that with all the steps of manifesting, so doing visualizations, doing gratitude, like doing that to raise your vibration is naturally going to attract things that are on that vibration of Mm -hmm. more wealth, prosperity, uh, connection, friends, love, um, because you're just ascending to match that. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. always have to be like super intentional. And then the final thing I'll say about that is sometimes too, we really try to manifest one thing. Like maybe you're convinced that one person was for you or one college was for you when really the universe was like, "Mm, we're going to skirt that (laughs) because like at this, at this university, you would thrive so much more. And so this Mm -hmm. matches all the aspects of what you were wanting. Like you wanted to be challenged by your professors. You wanted to find the best friends ever. You wanted to be proud of where you were going. Let's just shift that over to a different specific or like there's actually a better person for you and it's going to make a, a sense eventually. Yeah. And that's, again, a perfect segue into the next thing I wanted to ask you. So I remember you. I remember when I first started listening to you, I listened to your Brown episode and just kind of how that whole process unfolded. And um, I remember you saying that you had been manifesting very specifically Stanford. Mm-hmm. Do you think that when it comes to manifesting, we should get down to the granular and the very, very nitty gritty specific details about things like colleges, people, like houses we want to manifest? Or should we get down to the bigger details, but allow everything else to kind of fill in? So I actually think this depends on your human design chart. So you're either a specific manifester or non-specific. I'm non-specific and in general, I tend to ascribe to, yeah, I think I want this, but I'm open to the fact that there could be something better. Like Mm -hmm. I truly believe that if you were trying to manifest something and it's not coming through or it didn't happen, it's because there was something better coming in its place. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes people are like, I share that perspective and people are like, well, that's disempowering to people who want to manifest specifics. And I'm like, well, what's the alternative? Like Mm -hmm. you wanted to get into a grad school, you wanted to get this job, you don't get it. And so then what you just think I must have not manifested that well enough, like Mm -hmm. the universe wants to give you everything you want. Like you can either choose to believe that something not working out like that was the result of not manifesting it successfully because you weren't specific enough or you didn't do, you didn't script about it enough, or you can believe this must be happening for my highest good. And so I always tend to take that route. Like, it's like, I'm giving the universe a blueprint of, I think this is what I would like because Mm -hmm. it excites me when I see that person who's living this lifestyle, or I imagine based off my past experiences that this enhanced experience could be really good, Mm -hmm. but I'm open to 
the flow of like what's actually supposed to happen here. And I believe that everything's unfolding for my highest good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really interesting because I remember when we first started working together, I had been trying to manifest something very specific and it wasn't coming in. It wasn't coming in. And I I think this was actually our very first or second session. You had said, re-journal about it with less details, but keep the bigger picture the same. And I yeah. did. And it was something small. I actually don't remember what it was. <laughs> I was like, what is she talking about? I don't remember either. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, okay, I can do this. And it came into my life. It, it was really interesting how you can do that because I think the reverse process of it too, seeing too big of a picture and then thinking, okay, let me get a little bit more detailed about it. And then seeing that come in as well is very interesting. Yeah. I also think like, think about it like this. So imagine you're trying to manifest your dream house and you're house shopping. And so you write down a list of everything you want about this house. And you're like, I want a white brick fireplace with I'm going to put an orange rug in front of it. So it has to be a white brick fireplace. And in the backyard, there needs to be a rectangle pool. Okay. Like mm-hmm. every detail. Mm-hmm. And then you're like hyper-focused on that. And you're like, nope, the universe will give me it because I made this like hyper perfect. Okay. Well then like every house you're touring, even if it's amazing because it yeah. has a red brick fireplace or the doesn't have a pool, but it, instead it has like a really cool beach access door or something like you're going to be completely blind to it. And so I sometimes think like being specific it can be really fun because it can get you excited. Like, wow, let me really picture this and a hyper focus for myself. But it's better to just like create that vision, get excited about it. And then be like, Ooh, I'm going to release and just trust. Yeah. And like worst case scenario, I'll just sw- swap some things around when I get into the house in this case. Yeah. <laughs> but I trust that like, that's that's something too, like what you manifest into your life. Think about like, especially when you're manifesting the big things, like a partner, a house, a school, a job, like, that needs to be faded. Think about mm-hmm. the people who will come into your life as a result of that, the energy that it introduces into your life. And if you get caught up on the minuscule details, like I think my soulmate's eyes are blue, you could miss exactly what's meant for you. I don't think you'll ever miss what's meant for you, just to clarify what I just said, but I do think you could have a really roundabout way of getting there mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not open to working with the universe as like a 50-50 effort. Yes, I completely agree. I think having that relationship with the universe, having that trust, which I talk about so much, is so important. Knowing that the universe is giving you just as much as you're giving it. So when you're giving in that detail and you're putting in that effort, you also are trusting in the universe and understanding that it's offering you just as much as you're giving in. You just have to know, and the biggest trust you have to have is in that divine timing that you talk about so much, which I love. Getting to an equal understanding with divine timing, I think, is such an interesting process. It's, I think, very arduous, very difficult. But once we can get there and understand how it plays a role in our lives and obviously in the timeline of our lives, I think we can have a much higher appreciation for the role the universe is playing in our lives and what's unfolding. But I would love to transition this into a conversation about love. I have barely talked to my, I've never actually talked to my listeners, I don't think, about love, but I've barely even talked to my readers about love. And I would love, I would love, (laughs) I would love to talk to you about what the process looks like of manifesting love. Okay. Well, to be clear, it's not like I have a success story. So I'll just share the advice that I've heard. That's good. And we'll keep y'all posted. But what I will say is like, it actually goes back to a lot of what we've already discussed. So believing you won't be happy until you've met your soulmate or until you found that perfect person will keep you stuck and will keep them at bay because you have to be truly happy by yourself. Like I've heard over and over again about people who say, oh my God, I'm, I'm like literally done dating. I'm literally not going to look at someone for a yep. year. And they mean it. They literally mean it. They're like, leave me alone. Yep. <laughs> and that energy of like, I do not want slash need anyone is exactly what introduces someone into their life. Like I actually have um, two good friends who have done some work for, and they met the day after the wife said that and actually like completely meant it. Then they met on a beach. And I think that just goes to show about like the letting go aspect, but when you're desperate for something too, it like blinds you to things about someone. Like say that you're on the dating apps and you're going on all these dates and you're like desperate to find the right person for you. Well, because you're so enamored by the idea of love and you need it so badly and you wouldn't ever be happy on your own, like you will miss red flags. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like you will make excuses for bad behavior. And finally along those lines too, like, 
I actually just released a podcast episode today with my friend Megan, who's a dating coach about the energetic dynamics and relationships. And something we were talking about was like, you know, if a man wants you, you will know, mm-hmm. like you won't be confused. He will call you. He will text you. He'll be asking you on dates. Like, and I think this weird thing has happened where a lot of us are like, well, he must be busy and let me make all these excuses or she like, depending on where you lead. But like, if somebody likes you, they will work for yeah. it. It's like, it's just the case. Like if he wanted to, he would is a legitimate thing. Like I understand there's blockages sometimes, but I also think getting caught up in like the exception, not the rule to quote, like he's just not that into you is such a toxic place to mm-hmm. be because the truth is where you should be in your life when it comes to love is filling up your own bucket, mm-hmm. filling up your life as a single person, um, enjoying your friends, enjoying your independence, enjoying your freedom, loving every second of it, trusting, you know, one day, eventually I'm going to meet my soulmate. It's just inevitable. I'm not going to end up alone here. Like I'm good. Maybe doing tapping on that. If that's a fear of yours, but completely letting it go and then letting what is meant for you show up and prove itself to you. You don't have to go out there and work hard for it and hustle for it. Like if someone is meant for you, you cannot miss them. You just can't. Even if you miss them the first few times because you had some, you know, subconscious blocks around what love is supposed to be. And so they're the ones standing in front of you in the coffee shop, but like they will come back around. Like you literally, I love the Taylor Swift song, Invisible String. Like you do have invisible strings and tethers to every single person you're supposed to date slash the person that you're supposed to end up with. Uh, You have soul contracts with these people. Like this, it's going to happen for you. It is, but how can you enjoy this moment, even though that hasn't showed up yet? Um, and then therefore, like from that place of non-attachment, let in what's really meant for you because it's proving it's really meant for you and you're not like sitting by your phone all night. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's interesting because I I've been in one long-term relationship and it was actually quite a quite a while ago, but I'm always the friend that people come to about dating. And I was curious why, but I think I've realized it now. I think it's that, and I say this in every single episode, I'm always that person that strongly believes if you are not confident and happy and love being alone and love your own company, I do not think you can exist in a happy relationship. And no. I think that about every relationship, whether it's a partner, a friendship, a family relationship. And I say that all the time in the podcast. And that's why so much of my content, I think, is geared towards that, like growing that self-love aspect. Because, And I think that that, that has a lot to do with the manifesting process that if you're trying so – and again, I, I think it goes back to that desperation aspect. If you're trying so desperately to manifest someone – into your life and specifically trying to manifest a partner, someone who can be with you because you're lonely, then I think that that's just an obvious point to say that you're not happy on your own. And that's the work you need to do beforehand before you can try and be with someone in a happy, committed, loving relationship. And to that point too, like it's really possible that you can be lonely in a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe at first you have the honeymoon phase and it's like, woo, okay, this feels exciting. And like, that's true and good. But like, also, if you're choosing a partner out of loneliness, you're not really choosing it from that perspective of your higher self. And I don't know me personally, like I would rather attract my soulmate when I'm like completely thriving on my own, because then I know I'm leaving him at that energy level. And I will never look to him for a source of validation to like fulfill like my wounds mm-hmm. or my loneliness, because I'll know how to give it to myself. And that's how the relationship will be healthy. Like, mm-hmm. I think just setting that standard for yourself. It's key. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think that with any manifestation, like we were talking about before, we just have to be happy with who we are and where we are now to reach anything that we want, specifically a person. If you're manifesting a best friend or a relationship or a partner or anything that involves another human being, I think you definitely have to be very self-aware in the aspect of, am I happy? Am I good on my own? Do I know how to validate myself and keep my cup full on my own before asking someone else to fill it for me? But I'd love to kind of segue back to these block aspects because I think to answer people's questions that I'm sure is churning in their mind of, but how do I be happy in my present moment? I'd love to talk to you about blocks and maybe some common ones that people face and how to get through them. Mm, That's a really good question. I don't know if there's one that's been really common, but I'll say that it's like in different arenas. So I'll say an interesting one that I see in money a lot is Mm -hmm. people worrying about out earning their, their parents, their family. 
Um, Mm -hmm. and what that means for a family dynamic. Like if you start earning more than, you know, your dad and your dad was the breadwinner of the family, does that feel okay to you? Or do you worry about how that would make your dad feel slash how that would make you feel about the relationship with your dad? Like that's a really interesting one that I've seen arise like in multiple ways, or it could be with mom, obviously too. Um, another one that I see a lot is just like fear of what people will say about you or how they'll think about you based off of like traumas from like high school and middle school. You know, people seldom look at those traumas cause they're like, I was so young. That's so stupid. You know, everyone's moved on. And it's like, no, you know, when people are scared of showing up online, yeah. you're like, no, people are going to see it. And I'm like, who? And they're like, like people from high school. And I'm like, like who? And usually it's interesting. Cause it's like someone so random. Like you'd think it was like your arch enemy. And then it's like that one girl in my English class who I've never even talked to, but somehow she's the one in my subconscious. But it's like, those are kind of that, that too. Like, I think the reason that happens is your subconscious like wants to account for everyone. So it's like, okay, if I know that person didn't like me in high school, I'll just block them so they can't see it. But I have no idea how that one random yes. chick from my English class felt about me. And so <laughs> that's like, it's unpredictable. I can't post. Uh, and so we like work backwards from there. And it's really interesting, like returning to the way that you felt when you were younger and, and working through that so you can feel confident in posting. So those are two interesting consistencies but you know I'll say like a lot of blocks that I work with like in my personal life and with like with Mm -hmm. clients they are like archetypal like literally archetypal like we all have similar blocks so they're normal like you know none of us get out of this life (laughs) or get like well into this life scot-free of blocks yeah, I think it's really interesting because I was actually talking to a friend the other day about this and I was talking to my mom actually after um, after one of our money dates in Dream Away and I think it was the first one and it was about how we grew up with a family dynamic of money. Mm-hmm. That was I think like the general theme of the talk that we had and uh, I, I go up to my mom after the call and I just give her a look and I'm like, this is all your fault. Oh God, oh no, no, no. And I'm just like, I can't manifest past this block because of you. And she's like, oh my God, you're being dramatic. But it was really interesting because after the conversation, I decided to look back and there was one thing that I realized that really pushed me over the edge. I realized it was when my parents got divorced that things with money got really different because Mm. they got divorced because of money. And from that point on, my mom ingrained into me, save your money, save your money, save your money. Don't go spending that. That's not that. No, you don't need that. That's the mentality that I grew up with. And people who know me personally know, and I will happily admit this, know that I have expensive taste and so <laughs> she she's always yelling at me like you know you don't need these things blah 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 and I'm just it's it been an interesting block for me to try and work past yeah because I know that her parents growing up you know in that generation she's from six kids and I know that growing up in that generation you know money was scarce so yeah spending that kind of money on something like that didn't ever make sense for a family like that. So she grew up with that ingrained in her. And then once the separation happened and she was saving, that's what she ingrained into my brother and I is that you just have to save your money, start a 401k immediately, do these things immediately and save, save, save. And it was, it's been really interesting trying to work past that block. Well, yeah. And then like understand that for her, it is like a safety thing and she like just wants to keep you safe, but it's the subconscious and it's like playing tricks when the truth is like being in the flow of abundance should mean, you know, you don't always have to save, but um, yeah, that's a, that's a major one, right. Is like Mm -hmm. parents who tell you, and then sometimes people have like, you know, parents who model overspending, you know, maybe they Mm -hmm. have a parent who like every time the parent got a paycheck, they spent it all. And so they were always out of money because mom bought a new car or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then people will save not because their parents told them to save, but because they saw what it looks like for them to spend. But mm-hmm. the major thing here is that these blocks can be eliminated. Like you're not stuck with them. And I'll also say like, I have had a lot of clients where like, we're working through things. We like figure out where a block came from and they're like, I have to tell my parents it's all their fault. And I'm like, mm, let's, <laughs> let's not do that. Because yep. you like, it's uh, like, that's great to identify where it's from, but it's not going to help anything to be like, this is your fault because like, 
they're, they're going to do that work when they're willing to. And I'll also say something fascinating that's happened so many times over. I don't even know how to describe this. It's like some beautiful metaphysical thing. Like whenever I've done work on my blocks that I've gotten from my parents or were modeled to me by my parents or in my family, shifts, is, shifts have happened for them. And I don't know why that is, huh. but like, we're that's so connected really that that's probably why. And it's because it's, it, I mean, it's like breaking generational bonds. And, yeah. you know, I'm doing it for my, you know, future kids, uh, but it's also like working backwards up the whole, <laughs> the whole yeah. family tree. So instead, when you like take complete ownership and by that, I don't mean like blaming yourself for it or blaming yourself for like your parents shortfalls or whatever. But when you're like, okay, like I could go blame them, but that won't get me anywhere. Let me just yeah. do the work that I can do on myself. You'll be amazed how much things change and shift yeah. for everyone involved. Yeah, I completely agree. I I noticed that that I've once I I mean obviously I was joking when I said that to my mom. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. we all know. <laughs> I know you I guys are both... so close that it doesn't sound like a big fight started. Yeah, no, her and I were both <laughs> laughing about it. Yeah, and I, I was just gonna say like some clients do. They're like they get ups, like really mad and they're like yeah, I'm sure people do. I'm like let me let's de decompress a little, de-escalate the situation. Yeah, de-escalate. Yeah. Um, but we had a really interesting conversation afterwards and I explained to her like all the work that we had done and how, what she had done and all of the ways she had said, save your money and the variations of it to me over the last 11 years and the way that shaped my mindset around money and how I have to now reprogram all of that. All right. So to wrap up my last and final question. Now I know that people, a lot of people don't really know a lot of background behind shadow work, EFT, manifesting the deep, dark stuff and getting down into like the deep parts of your brain. So do you, I want to know, do you think that stuff is absolutely necessary to manifest the big things, i.e. like money, job status, love, et cetera? And if so, how do you just kind of really quickly start that process and ease into it? What I'll say is that belief is really powerful. Like the John Mayer song, Belief, and it's like belief is that the heaviest armor makes for the, or well, sorry, belief is like that armor makes for the heaviest sword. Um, <laughs> I butchered that quote, but it's something like that. You guys can go listen. Like, it's so true. And so like, I, there are definitely people out there who have manifested things without doing this work. You know, you'll, you'll see so many people who are like, Oh, I just had it on my vision board. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's like ways that you can foster that too. Like if you manifest something little, like manifesting a cup of coffee and you're like, Holy cow, that was so easy. I must be really powerful. And then you apply that same belief that you're so powerful to manifesting a car. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you can get there. Um, I've just found that it's, when we imagine manifesting as a healing process, we mm -hmm. eliminate the blocks forever. Mm -hmm. And that leads to a lot more peace and happiness and fulfillment in our lives. Like mm -hmm. I also think, you know, people can work to the bone and manifest a million dollars in their startup or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, then be really miserable because money doesn't mm -hmm. solve it. Um, like money doesn't solve money blocks. And if you believe that money is going to make you happier because a lot of times we're out manifesting things, trying to become happier, right? Like we, we want to manifest things in order to feel a certain way. We end up even more unhappy. And I definitely did that. I definitely did the hamster in a wheel for a long time, like trying to manifest success and accomplishments and then like I'd get them and I'd feel nothing. And so I think the healing work, doing the shadow work around manifesting just makes it so that you manifest so much more easily and effortlessly and faster, frankly, like without all like the hard work hamster wheel type ordeal, mm -hmm. but also you just like are happier. Like you can enjoy the manifestations when they come in, like people feel the results of your healing. And that's what makes this work so exciting. Like it's about how you feel when you wake up in the morning, not so much mm -hmm. like when that paycheck comes through or whatever, because that the thrill of that is going to expire. Mm -hmm. But if you've worked on your blocks to happiness, the ways in which you feel like you need to hide any shame, any grief, any guilt, any feelings of rejection that are still like buried beneath the surface, you'll never know why, but things won't feel satisfying or exciting in the way that you thought that they would. Mm -hmm. So I do see the two of them as like deeply intertwined and interconnected, but to each their own, all I can do is say, here's what's made me super happy and yeah. <laughs> made things come in beautifully. Uh, as for just getting started, I have an EFT do-it-yourself video on my YouTube mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely going to be churning out some more resources like that. But a lot of it's just like 
recognizing when triggers arise and responding rather than reacting, um, mm-hmm. just because like introducing self-awareness, like somebody yeah. says something and for some reason it really gets under your skin. Well, why is that? How did it make you feel? Um, and then also using that magic question, what bad thing happens if you get the thing you want, right? So if like someone's trying to get a raise, well, what bad thing happens if you get a raise? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, yeah, my, my coworkers won't like me as much yep. because they, they mm-hmm. didn't get a raise. Like look beneath the hood a little bit because yep. from the outset, it seems like, no, of course, that's great. More money, more success, but not always. And your subconscious is always, you know. It's trying to keep you safe. It's doing the best it can. It doesn't have malintentions. It just like yeah. shows up in a way that sabotages you. Yeah. I think the difference, like you said, the the biggest difference is the process of self-reflection. If you can do that and do the healing work, the manifesting, what you are manifesting, if it does come into your life, just means so much more and you have so much more gratitude for the situation and the process of it unfolding is so much more beautiful and profound in your life yeah. and you have so much more appreciation for it, which I think everyone would be more grateful for. Cause like you said, if you're manifesting and you don't really feel anything when the thing does come into your life, then I think that draws a lot more questions than happiness. Yeah. And then it just kind of feels like, shoot, you know, as long as I was working for this thing, it felt like there was the possibility of being happy, but now it's here and I'm not happy. Like that is depressing. Believe me. I've been there many, many a time. Yeah. The idea that the manifesting, what you're manifesting is solving your problems. If that's, if that's the end result that you're looking for I think there's some self-reflection work needing to be done yeah because I mean it's totally you can manifest all the money in the world or you don't even have to call it manifesting like earn all the money in the world yeah Um, if like that's what you're after but there's a lot of really wealthy really unhappy people yep absolutely so wouldn't you rather have them both (laughs) exactly That, that is the goal all right well thank you so much Haley please share where everyone can find you I'm just Haley Hoffman Smith on TikTok and Instagram. Just Haley Hoffman Smith. There's no (laughs) such thing. She is the Haley Hoffman Smith. She she says she's a full-time Haley Hoffman Smith. That's like my favorite thing you've ever said. I remember hearing that in your podcast. You're like, I want to be a full-time Haley Hoffman Smith. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to be a full-time Haley Hoffman Smith. Oh, I love that. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. This was so wonderful. You are so amazing. I'm sure you're going to inspire so many people with this podcast. Thank you so much for being on and I love you. I love you too. Thanks for having me. All right, my friends, you know the drill. Thank you so much for listening to the Do The Damn Thing podcast this week. Of course, thank you so much, Haley, for being on the episode. And if this episode resonated with you or if you think it will resonate with someone you know, please share it. Tag me in it on Instagram. I will share it on my platform. I thank you guys so much for listening to this. We have reached over a 1,000 downloads. I am so filled with gratitude. I am sending you guys so much love and I will see you next week.